Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Seaweed Brain. This week, we have a delightful little sojourn beneath the waves. We're going underwater. We're meeting Kim. We're welcoming back an old guest. Stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I guess Jake is an old guest now. I was kind of thinking of Jake as still being like a new guest, but we're on a whole different book now. You're old news, Jake Sweat. Welcome back. <laughs> Hello. I'm glad to be old news. If that means that things are still happening, I'm very glad. Yay. It's good to be old news. We are going underwater for some bro time in Jason's POV. Are we all excited? Yeah, you know what? This is major bro time episode. I'm super excited. <laughs> this is maybe the most bro time we've ever broed. <laughs> I don't know. You could easily say that Percy and Grover are together for almost all of the Percy Jackson books, and that's that's the <laughs> ultimate bro bro brodom. You know, <laughs> Percy and Grover don't feel as compelled to call each other bro though. Jason and Percy are always like, "Oh, my bro, Jason, my bro, Percy." Yeah, I think it's because he met Grover before he uh, glowed up, I guess. I don't know. Maybe that's how you would just describe like, it. Maybe he became a toxic man. No, I mean, that's kind of partially true, too. <laughs> exactly false. It's like it's like Grover was his friend before he had to be cool. You know what I mean? It's like the start of the coming-of-age movie. Like, yeah. Jason's his friend after he becomes cool and gets on the football team, and Grover's his friend before, who, like, <laughs> goes to the comic conventions with them that's the that's the yeah. vibe that's the energy oh <laughs> well cool jason and percy yeah we're gonna do it today <laughs> that is not to say that grover is not cool i'm just saying that real ones know what's cool and what's not and i think everyone knows that all three of them are pretty cool that's all I'm just yeah well, they have their niches they have their niches yeah. and grover's old and grover's starting his family i have to assume you know he's doing, he's doing other things now. right Not yeah. starting his family what he's a whole grown satyr you know what i mean he's yeah. doing his thing he's a grown boy he has bills to pay he has a marriage to maintain <laughs> yeah before we dive into this chapter dive in literally this time <laughs> anything you want to say about the blood of olympus because this is your first time coming on for this book jake Oh, yeah, I will say my time reading this book was kind of split in half. I had read the start of it and then it kind of it was like a long gap before I had a chance to like really get into reading again. Because I don't know. I don't know about you guys. I know everyone's kind of different with how they maybe approach reading or like finding time to read where they at least feel like they can actually escape in their books. And I was like that too. And so I think I said this last time too, I'd only read the books when I was at my grandparents' house. And by the time I was on to this, I was in college, I was at school Mm -hmm. and I was just kind of finding less time. It was kind of a split journey for me that very end of the series. But nonetheless, like when I step back in, I step back in. I'm back in it. Yeah. So <laughs> for me, it's like a full experience. I'm like, I'm I'm in the mode. I'm in, I'm in yeah. it. Nothing can interrupt. <laughs> I really stretched out these books as much as I could because I was like not mm-hmm. wanting to have the story end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things 
in all the books is definitely just the tidbits you get, like the tiny little details of this episode when we get into Lawrence, you know what I mean? Like he is <laughs> just such a monstrosity that you just don't think can be like created yeah. from where they come from. And then he like comes out and you're like, oh, there's more out there. There's still more right. out there that we don't know. And I think that's <laughs> the kind of stuff that I think just throughout, I started just being so much more excited about it. And it felt like it was kind of full of that, so. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that was a beautiful answer. Yeah. I don't remember if I said this on air, but I had this conversation with Carter when I was rereading Blood of Olympus before we started the episodes. Like, I'm not convinced. Take away my Percy Jackson fan card. I'm not convinced I actually ever finished reading this book until a month ago because <laughs> I didn't remember any of it. Really? And then I brought my copy. It's in New York now with me, but I got it when I was at home in Hawaii over mm-hmm. Christmas, and it was, like, untouched. It looked like I had never read it. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is pretty clean it. too. I still got I still got the bookmark. I did do the work. <laughs> nice. But I know I think me there might be a little bit of the bookmark <laughs> that I have to like fill in. But I'm like trying to remember. I feel like I might have done it. Take away my Percy Jackson card. I know it's on my list. It's one of those things that's just like on your brain. It's like Yeah. When I get done with everything else I have I have to do. I'm going to make yeah. sure I get that done too. Cause that's just, that's what important. I've been saying about reading trials of Apollo, but alas, the clock is ticking. Yo, and now it's Don't, we won't even step into that ballpark. Cause same, I have all the books. <laughs> I have all the books on my shelf. I haven't yeah. started a single one. So don't worry. <laughs> I, I get it. I'm like, the time will come. The time will come. And you got to venture into other things. And what you said, yeah. Like you have to read when you are ready to fully be reading, to be fully I agree. immersed. Like, like you don't have to read on the subway all the time or like uh-huh. when you're doing other things. You can let it be its own thing and cherish that time. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the way I approach it is probably the way I try and approach watching movies now more days where it's yeah. like you sit down and watch the whole thing. Don't pause it and try to make it like an experience. The further back you go, the more toxically attached I am to that approach and I, do, I don't yeah. think I could ever part myself from it because of that's how it started and I just want to yeah. I don't want anyone to interrupt it I just want it to be me yes. me in the book this is how it is fully immersed yeah full immersion in the story I totally, <laughs> I'm, totally I'm feel cool. that. quite literally taking notes like I need to be fully drawn thank yeah. god past Jake took care of present Jake and already took notes for the for real, for podcast once, he was he on. <laughs> chose to help me for one single time <laughs> for one thing and it was a selfish desire it was just for himself anyways no it's that's, good this podcast is the most selfish desire I've ever had in my life yo so no that's, so that's if it keeps you going if it gets you through that's what matters <laughs> that's what projects about you know it's about getting you through it's about getting you through it all right, let's check in with the Argo 2 crew. Where where did we last leave off with these kiddos, Carter? The last place that we were with the crew of the Argo 2 specifically was in Sparta. You might remember two weeks ago, we were talking about Piper's perspective. We were underground. We were in a temple of emotions and fear. And there was a giant. Who we don't remember. There was a lot of stuff going on. The giant really came and went quite quickly. I don't know. Like they all do. Like they all do, honestly. And we're going to get to another one. And like, I almost forgot about it already. And like, we wrote this outline like less than 24 hours ago. But, um... The last time we were in Jason's POV, which was a few weeks ago, he was stabbed in the stomach by Michael Varis. And as we open up this chapter, he says that his gut felt like Michael Varis was still standing behind him, repeatedly stabbing him and yelling, die like a Roman, die like a Roman. That's a Um, sick line. That's such a cool line in the book. (laughs) Die like a Roman. It's cool because I feel like it conveys how 
how much more uh, the Roman camp they commit their identity to like who they yes. like their, their team. They are nationalists over there. Yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> it's so funny that Rick was like, "Oh, they're the bad guys," and every and every side where they were fighting, they're always the they're always kind of the bad guys. And yeah, there's some more of that. There's some more of that this week. They fit the part of the villain much more. There is some more. There's some more. There's more coming up. Um, yeah, and Jason is waking up to a, like a huge, huge storm rocking the Argo too. Even though he's still in pain, he's like, ah, I gotta help. Um, he does a little check-in with everyone on the ship to see what they're doing to help. Hazel is throwing up with seasickness. That's relatable. <laughs> Frank turned into a giant like gorilla and is doing his best to keep the ship from falling apart. Leo tied himself to the like Wii console that controls the ship with a bungee cord so it says that he every time the ship rocks jason is like it looks like being uh yo-yoed <laughs> what do you call that right. thing we know what you're talking about we know of these things they're paddles and they have a bowl attached to them by elastic and the game is that you like whack the bowl repeatedly paddle ball that's what he called it i think paddle ball paddle that's ball. a thing yeah quote piper and annabeth were trying to save the rigging since sparta they'd become quite a team able to work together without even talking say it with me girlfriends <laughs> no one said it with me that's fine i bet some listeners said it with me there you go i said it with you in my uh in my head in my heart and then we get to percy the percy of it all um i did write out this entire section by hand <laughs> just so that somebody could read it with enthusiasm this is page 250 page two. Oh, oh, i see it only percy was having much luck he stood by the center mast his hands extended like he was on a tightrope Every time the ship tilted, he pushed the opposite direction and the hull stabilized. He summoned giant fists of water from the ocean to slam into the larger waves before they could reach the deck, so it looked like the ocean was hitting itself repeatedly in the face. With the storm as bad as it was, Jason realized the ship would have already capsized or been smashed to bits if Percy wasn't on the job. Jason staggered toward the mast. Leo yelled something, probably go downstairs, but Jason only waved back. He made it to... Percy sighed and grabbed his shoulder. Percy nodded like, sup? He didn't, he didn't look shocked or demand that Jason go back <laughs> to the sick bay, which Jason appreciated. Percy could stay dry if he concentrated, but obviously he had bigger things to worry about right now. His dark hair was pasted to his face. His clothes were soaked and ripped. He shouted something in Jason's ear, but Jason could only make out a few words. Thing! Down! Stop it! Percy pointed over the side. Something is causing the storm, Jason asked. Percy grinned and tapped his ears. Uh, clearly, he couldn't hear a word. He made the gesture with his hand like diving overboard. Then he tapped Jason on the chest. You want me to go? Jason felt kind of honored. Everybody else had been treating him like a glass vase. But Percy, well, he seemed to figure that if Jason was on deck, he was ready for action. Happy to, Jason shouted. But I can't breathe underwater. Percy shrugged. Sorry, can't hear you. Then Percy ran to the starboard rail, pushed another massive wave away from the ship, and jumped overboard. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. No problem. This is so fun. <laughs> it's been a while, right? Yeah. It's been since the son of Neptune when Percy jumped off of the iceberg that we've really gotten to see some, like, son of the sea god yeah, some action. Shit happening, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of the general nowadays. And he's just kind of coming up with master plans. But now, now he's back in action. That's pretty cool. 
the image of the giant fists of water is so fun. Oh, yeah. I like the idea of the water crashing against itself. I think that's a cool visual. Yeah. That and like this idea that he doesn't have full control. Like there's other things that have the same ability as him that he has to kind of stand up against. It's pretty cool. Yeah. He's like soaking wet and his clothes are ripped to shreds and his hair is like all plastered all over his face. Like that is such an image that I see. I think yeah. it's a new image too because has it literally even been canon before that like he can get wet? Because this was historically one of just the things about him that yeah. he could not. I think it was one of those things where like he has the willpower to make himself be mm. or not be so i think there's been times in the past like i think when he healed himself like in the first very first book i think he let the water get him wet oh yeah we would have to we'd have to go yeah. back and look at that mm -hmm. but yeah it does feel like a level up of saying this is how bad things can actually get and this is how high the stakes are in this moment yeah i like that a lot i like that it takes concentration for him to stay that way that's pretty cool it feels pretty fan servicey, honestly, that Rick. Um, like, uh, it feels okay. It feels to me like he went in and he was like, "I think that it is important for people to know that it is possible for him to get wet." Just like as a mental image, like you need to be able to imagine like Percy Jackson not dry all the time as the son of the sea god because yeah. it's kind of lame. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think he gets all wet in the cover of Son of Neptune. I think in that scene he gets he gets soaked because he's like passed out with exhaustion. I'm pretty sure. And he just kind Maybe. of just plunges. I think what the image is conjuring for me is the opening scene, or not the opening opening scene, but like the first real scene of the film where Logan Lerman, yeah, Logan Lerman the in the pool and he goes like this. <laughs> oh like, my God. Like shakes his wet hair back when he looks up at Grover. It's one of the most period piece aspects of the movie. People still have shaggy hair, but it was different shaggy hair. It was a specific kind of shag where it was like bangs that are exactly eye level. And yeah, like, yeah. It you was know, just like exactly short, but it's not quite long. Loki, it was like twelve-year-old boy hair. It was like twelve-year-old boy hair. Yes. Yeah. 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 It was like post Justin Bieber hair. Yeah. It was Bieberfication. Yeah. Precisely. Precisely. I didn't imagine him as Logan Lerman, but Logan Lerman's very close, so he's been great. He's like <laughs> yeah. as we've talked before. He's definitely the good thing to walk out of those those Absolutely. films. Absolutely. Yeah. I also love the way that he does not. <laughs> give a fuck that jason cannot breathe underwater <laughs> iconic of him hilarious genuinely very on brand bro, is like, you got this, bro. <laughs> we got this dives yeah. overboard and piper is left there like jason makes eye contact with piper and piper's like do not go overboard and jason's like <laughs> and he harnesses the venti yo on a real note though percy's like captain save the day Percy's like, it can be as bad as it's going to be. I'm still going to save the day. Yeah. And he's just thrilled that somebody, somebody wandered onto the deck and he was like, oh, good. It's Jason. Yeah. Jason, you're going to help me. <laughs> I feel like it's when you walk up to like your teacher's desk because you're going to ask them a question and they're like, oh, there you are. Can you hand out these tests? Great. Oh, and then they yeah. you. <laughs> it's kind of cool, though, that like if anyone on the ship wasn't really going to take his like, I'm stabbed in the gut to like mm -hmm. stop him. It was cool that it was Percy exactly because the only other person pressuring him at that point is himself and it's kind of like a reminder of like how much they're supposed to be juxtapositions of each other exactly you know mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. really cool i think it kind of draws out like well percy was in this situation you do the same thing and that's kind of cool yes there's so much relationship building between the two of them more than we've like ever gotten certainly more than we got in that like epically 
disappointing Percy Jason face-off in the Mark of Athena. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yo, that was kind of badass, though. That was kind of badass. <laughs> that was kind of sick. They did it in a field. That was cool. Never is there any demigod battles, like, in a, just a flat field. That's, That's pretty true. sick. But they were, like, It was, possessed. like, an iconic image that was not tied to, perhaps, um, superstructures of import or character development or interesting relationship commentary beyond these are two children of big three gods and also they are male true true <laughs> yeah well jason decides that the way he is going to breathe underwater is by harnessing the venti who turn into a cyclone to carry him down to the bottom of the ocean to meet up with percy so excellent improvisation skills on jason's part and then he like <laughs> breathes the air of the venti which gave me very much like goblet of fire yes that's lit that's actually yeah which one of them does this is it robert Cedric? pattinson yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bubblehead charm Harry does, um... Oh, the gills. He eats the herb. Yeah. Yeah, gillyweed. Gillyweed. Because cheating. Because <laughs> somebody tipped him off ahead of time. Goblet of Fire was all about cheating. <laughs> it was all about how Harry cannot accomplish anything and just needs so much cheating. <laughs> we have to cheat in order to stay alive. We have to cheat. I mean, he was also like a... A fourteen-year-old child yeah, competing. Yeah. Adults, so, um. <laughs> Harry Potter is also similar to Percy Jackson. You kind of got to cut him short because he's also just trying to make it through. He's just trying to survive. Well, I am the chosen one. Yeah. <laughs> Percy continues to remain very sassy because the second Jason like touches down on the bottom of the ocean, Percy's like, "Nice outfit. Can you hold it together if we go even deeper?" Jason's <laughs> like, "I have no idea how I'm doing this." And Percy uh-huh. says, "Okay, well, just don't get knocked unconscious." Yeah. <laughs> Roasted. Destroyed. In case those of you at home have forgotten, Jason's entire thing is getting knocked unconscious. <laughs> like, this is not just some throwaway. This is targeted. It's this kind of a weed. You know what? I think it's good that they made it like a gimmick in the book that he's knocked unconscious because yeah. otherwise it would have been a gimmick outside of the book. Exactly. Unconscious. And exactly. That, would been, that would have been next level. But Jason throws the sass right back. Should we read this little exchange, Carter? <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I'll be I'll be Percy, you be Jason. Okay. Is this Atlantis? That's a myth. Uh don't we deal in myths? No, I mean it's a made up myth, not like like an actual true myth. So this is why Annabeth is the brains of the operation then. Oh, that reminded me of Speech Club. <laughs> I hate duo interpretation. That was fun. No. Wait, Carter, did we do a duo interp together? We did not do a duo interp together. Ever? I don't think we did. Were you in speech club together? Yeah, in middle school. In middle Before school. Before Carter graduated uh-huh. to debate. Shout out to Mr. Woody, who is a real one who is not listening to this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we made it. We're on the bottom of the ocean. We've found who we're looking for, the source of the storms. It's Kim. <laughs> Her full name is Kimapalea. Goddess of violent sea storms. Sick. Um, Honestly, really cool. What is there to say about Kim? Uh, she is a gigantic mermaid. Yes, <laughs> she's I kind of be scary a gigantic looking. Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I think she's a little more than a mermaid. I don't know if you want to be what she is. I like how they described her as non-human, like space alien. Yeah, her face was beautiful but unearthly. Her eyes yeah. too bright. Her features too delicate. Her smile too cold, as if she'd been studying human smiles and hadn't quite mastered the art. Mm-hmm. And That's that reminds good. me, oh my god, what is her name in Song of Achilles? In Song of Thetis? Yes. Like Achilles' mom. That's who I'm reminded of here. Yeah, yes. Cold and like serpentine. Aloof. The myth is actually pretty much entirely covered by Rick. 
because <laughs> she's not mentioned a whole lot of times in the canon, just by Hesiod in Theogony, which is a big epic long poem that explains the family trees of all the gods and deities. She wasn't worshipped by the Romans, which also gets mentioned in the book because, of course, the Romans, according to Percy, aren't big on navies. They had like one rowboat, which I sank, and she was the daughter of Poseidon and Amphitrite and the wife of Briares, who we all know and love. Right. Yes. Most of this is mentioned in the book, specifically from her, because her whole deal is she's like, no one knows who I am. Yeah. It's sad. People need to respect me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But in her telling, she basically says that all of these people who we have mentioned have wronged her primarily by abandoning her in various situations. Her trauma that defines her is that her parents married her off to Briaries. This was not as is, you know, more or less period accurate, something that was really of her own choosing and rather something that was done as like a way to reward Briaries for taking the god's side in the war against the titans. So she's not super pleased about that. And also within the canon of the books then, she tells us that she's also like abandoned by her family and left here alone. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you might otherwise ask, what is she doing here? She's like in the relics of a palace. It turns out that it is Poseidon's old palace in Greece. And she's here because they left her here. Like the gods, as they went west, it sounds like starting with Rome just did not take her with them mm. and so she's just like stuck in the relics of greece without any of them just hating Abandoned her family problems and... yeah yeah i never thought of her as being left behind you know what i mean i always think that these gods that they encounter kind of have the will to to put themselves anywhere and it's their emotion that kind of gets them stuck mm. and tied to certain you know repetitious things or or places I think it's the, when the mortals don't know about them anymore they get stuck they get stuck in a certain spot Theoretically, that would be in world what would make sense. Yeah. Because oh, r- they right. end up bargaining with her because Percy's like, oh, okay, so you're working for Gaia. Well, Gaia's using you. And Kim is like, oh, and the gods never used me, huh? And Percy answers one of our thesis questions here for the first time, like very cleanly and succinctly. And he goes, well, at least the Olympians are trying. <laughs> and after the last Titan war, they tried to start paying attention to the other gods. And we're doing a lot of that work. And Jason brings it home by being like, hey, hey, hey. You deserve respect. You want mortals to worship you. Well, if Gaia takes over, there won't be any mortals left. Gods and mortals, we have to exist together. One can't be here without the other. We rely on each other. So you need to come to our side so that you can save the people and then all make sure that people worship you and know who you are so you can become more powerful and create more violent sea storms and all build a shrine to you at Camp Jupiter and at Camp Half-Blood. Mm-hmm. And this is important for a bunch of reasons. Most importantly to Jason because... He is like really stepping into his purpose now, quote unquote. Yeah, um, it's fascinating. He is going to become a, yeah, a priest. But also what it says about the relationship between the gods and the mortals, I think is really important to the series. Yes, I agree. I agree. I, I think it's a big example of that, of the, the kind of relationship that they can build if they, they try and put their heads together. Yeah. She's, she's definitely interesting. I like how mean she is. I think it's really, <laughs> it's really neat. She's like, no. She's like, I made a great deal and I'm going through with my deal. And that's what's going on right now. Precisely. She's not impressed with Percy's initial offer. Between Percy's offer and this whole conversation that we get with Jason, mm-hmm. we find out that also all of this was a trap and that she yeah. specifically is trying to lure Percy down here so that Polybides can get his revenge. Do we all remember Polybides? He's back. He's actually been around a lot. If there's, (laughs) honestly, if there's a giant name to remember, it's probably this one, because he's been in like Son of Neptune and House of Hades. We last encountered him in Tartarus. 
not ever in a head-on fight, but Percy's, like, kind of afraid of him this whole time. Like, we get some sense that he can, like, smell Percy in Tartarus, right? Yeah. But also, we, of course, encountered Polybius previously leading the army that attacked New Rome and the son of Neptune. Percy defeated him, mostly on his own, but at the end with an assist from Terminus, who is the um, statue... What do you call those? Bust. He's a bust. He's just a head. He's a bust. Haunted Mansion style. Yeah. Haunted <laughs> Mansion style, right. Percy just, like, whacks Polybius' body with the bust. That was so cool. That kill shot there. <laughs> I was like, because they are technically, like, teaming up. The loopholes? All of these giant kills are loopholes! It's, like, both cool, but then also... We'll get into it. So basically, okay, the fight ensues. Polybides is winning. <laughs> and the way that it, they end up turning the tide is because of Jason's reasoning with Kim that we just talked about. Like, he makes her a better deal. As they're talking, he, like, comes to understand more and more what she actually wants and what the difference is between what's been done so far and, like, what she actually deserves and or will agree to. Yeah. So she switches sides. And this kill also feels basically like a technicality like she's not she's phoning it in she like twirls a disc and that finishes him off like she's putting no effort into this jason is putting some effort in but you know he's fully underwater like it's just yeah it is really easy for them to kill this giant yo i wouldn't say it was so easy jason did a lot of the work i mean yeah jason put in some effort the thing about the giants there's a lot of them but they're not hard to kill they're like ants yeah they were like in the original myths they were supposed to be hard to kill like like in theory each one of these is supposed to be like capable of killing a god yeah like solo though solo that's what i'm saying though is like before then like why is polybides not like about to like annihilate jason but, before kim changes her mind but polybides <laughs> is annihilating percy because that's very true. importantly how is oh, he yeah. defeating an incapacitating percy while jason is trying to convince kim to fight on their side he is choking percy on poison where are we familiar with this image <laughs> from in Tartarus when Percy choked the goddess of poison on her own poison? This is nuts. <laughs> this is so dirty of Rick to put this back in here oh, and yeah. make us think about this. And Percy literally says, once the battle is said and done, he's like, you know what? I don't want to admit this, but I thought about my own actions as this was happening to me and I didn't try to fight back. Because I thought I deserved this. This is the way that the fates want me to die, to learn my lesson. I love Percy Jackson. He really contemplates everything. That's wild. That's so heavy. Maybe we should trigger warning this. That's a little, <laughs> it's a lot. Um, it's very yeah. dark. It's a different side of dark Percy. Depressed Percy. You know, no, we're literally going full circle because I was there when we were mm-hmm. literally talking about House of Hades, like when he was having to de- deal with the kind of decisions that he was making and the, the people he had hurt, it's come back. It's come back again. Yeah. And at this time, it's just an image. That's the scary part, too, is when you see Percy getting hurt, and you don't know what's going on in his brain. Yeah. You're like, what's he thinking mm-hmm. right now? Yeah. It kind of freaks me out. I kind of feel left without without my Percy for a minute. It's not, it's not fun. <laughs> exactly. This makes me think of how Annabeth and Piper were having that chat Mm -hmm. weeks ago when Annabeth was like, well, Percy is scaring me. Maybe it's not about what he's going to like do to others. It's about what he's going to do to himself, which is awfully, awfully sad and makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially with the idea of like punishing himself for these things. At least when you're reading it the first time, we know now, but when you're reading it the first time, you're like, it's the heroes of Olympus. It's not Percy Jackson and the Olympians anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, last book. this is the last book. <laughs> so you're like, is he? 
is he okay? Yeah. Is he going to make it? <laughs> Obviously, I don't think they would do that to our boy like that. Like, you'd have to go out and <laughs> a real fireworks show. But I do think what we were saying about it giving more credit to Polybides, he was kind of preoccupied. And I think when it comes to, like, uh, the yeah. loopholes, <laughs> the loopholes are kind of the key to everything in the, yeah. in the Greek mythology world a little bit. That's true. But, uh, yeah. Outwitting them and mm-hmm. making prophecies work for you. Right, yes. I think, Jake, you just mentioned Percy's fatal flaw, right? You're like, well, he's, he can't step away, and you never know what yeah. he's going to do mm-hmm. because he has yeah. to save the day. So once Polybides is defeated, Kim mentions this as she's talking to Percy and Jason, and she says on page 271, I am not an oracle, but I heard what the seer Phineas told you in the city of Portland. You will face a sacrifice that you may not be able to make, and it will cost you the world. You have yet to face your fatal flaw, my brother. Look around. All works of gods and men eventually turn to ruins. Would it not be easier to flee into the depths with that girlfriend of yours? Percy put his hand on Jason's shoulder and struggled to his feet. Juno offered me a choice like that, back when I found Camp Jupiter. I'll give you the same answer. I don't run when my friends need me. Kim turned up her palms. And there is your fatal flaw, being unable to step away. I will retreat to the depths and watch this battle unfold. She like goes... And there is your fatal flaw. Turns up the palms of her hands. <laughs> she said, told you so. <laughs> told you so, Percy Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> she said, you just played yourself. Now yeah. I'm going back. Uh, the line where she's like, all the works of gods and men eventually uh, crumble or... Turn to ruins. Turn to ruins, right. Because they're in the ruins palace right Much now. better. Much better. I, uh, <laughs> I, I love that. I think that's so cool. One of those moments in the book where you're like, at a surface level, their interactions and like the things that go on can sometimes feel ridiculous. But then like deep down, like there's deep seated hate all over because of the what the gods do. Yeah, I like how um, we spend a lot of time at the end of our House of Hades wrap up trying to talk about Percy and Annabeth's fatal flaw and the potentiality of a Percybeth fatal flaw being this combined inability to step away and confirmed. 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 This is their combined fatal flaw. They cannot step away and they're practicing it. I like that. I like combined fates. That's kind of sick. I didn't think about that in here in this this series. There's some other important things Kim says here. She hints at how they're going to end up defeating Gaia. She says that it's going to have to be like how the gods originally defeated Uranus. I think the way that she phrases it is like if you want advice about how to do this, like you need to think about the last time someone this powerful has ever been like taken down yeah and replicate that and then she elaborates a little bit and she's like well like this myth of how like uranus was killed is that uranus was the sky right and chronos and the other titans like invited him down to like a meal or something like they invited him down to earth so that is what she's implying is the trick she's like you need to like separate gaia from the earth somehow yeah like you need to extract her from her element loophole and the suggestion is that maybe jason will have a role in that as someone who can you know like fly and everything so i guess there's that to look forward to they're still thinking that they have it figured out he'll never have it all figured out but it does kind of feel like we have it in the back like if she was like yeah you just got a separator from the earth we're like, oh, okay it's fine. Be fine we got this we're back on track yeah. we're back strategy on track. yeah okay <laughs> their demigod complex is kicking in again and they're like i got mm-hmm. this i got this no worries no worries that's funny when i was reading this i was like they got some work to do. Like, 
It took this long for them to get over to Europe. Now they got to get back. I yeah, like, we got to get back. We're gonna we're gonna get some magical assistance in order to get all the way back. We are. Yeah. <laughs> Last important thing that she does is she calls Jason Pontifex, and Jason's like, "Whoa, whoa, that ain't me." And then Percy's like, "Kind of sounds like you, my bro." And Jason's <laughs> like, "Whoa, bro, should I like maybe be a priest, my bro?" And Percy's like, "Bro, follow your dreams, bro." <laughs> bro, go be a minister, bro. Become a priest, bro. Shout out to the sacred text for giving us a template for all of this and the legendary Father Bra. Father Bra! That's exactly who Jason is channeling right now. Carter is referring to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. How do you pronounce that actor's name? Is it Renee Goubet? Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Jake, you gotta watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Is it a movie? No, it's a TV show. Four seasons. Who's in it? What's it about? Created and starred in by Rachel Bloom, who's a comedian, and she also like helps write all the songs. Each episode has like one to two musical numbers that all take place essentially within her head. It's like about her journey with her mental illness, but through her fixation on a boy that she knew from high school theater camp, who she decides to drop her life in New York City for and move across the country, even though they haven't talked since they were in high school. Oh, shoot. This sounds interesting. If she moves across the country to be with him, she'll be happy. She'll be happy again. (laughs) She just knows it in her heart. So she quits her job at her law firm. Law firm. And drops everything to go move out to not Los Angeles, but West Covina, California. Only a two hour drive from the beach. Four if there's traffic, six if it's raining. Yeah. Six (laughs) if it's raining. So, anyway, yeah, watch it. That sounds incredible. Yeah, I will definitely have to check that out. Okay, okay. So. This is around page 275. He's like inspired by what Percy did on Mount Olympus, quote unquote, last year. (laughs) That's nuts. First of all, that was only a year ago that Percy turned down immortality. That's nuts. That was like like 10 years ago. The boy has grown. He's grown from that experience. They have both been through so much. But Jason is like, my bro, what you did on Mount Olympus, bro, was so inspiring, dude. Percy's like, dude, not even. You're the inspiring one. And Jason's like, nah, but like, I think I'm gonna like, like, do better. Like, I want to like contribute and like bring honor to this, to like the smaller gods, you know. And Percy's like, bro, that's like copying me a little bit, dude. But like, that's fine. He doesn't say that, but that's how I felt. No, um, I agree. I'm with you. I'm with their brodom. I actually really like their broship. I was really hoping right here, Percy would give him some cred for what what Jason did too, because you know Percy yeah. did that, but at the same exact time. Wasn't it at, a, at a, the same exact moment? He defeated, like, Krios. Ma, and Mount Orth... Is it Orthes? Orthes. So sick. Where's the credit, Percy? I guess Jason didn't turn down immortality, though. Yeah, that's the part we were caring about. Jason did not initiate, like, some sort of incremental form of change um, among uh, the gods. He didn't oh, propose yeah. a policy, and that policy did not pass. Um, <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> also, was he invited though to to Olympus to even do no. that? No, no, because they don't have they, they don't interact with the gods as much over there. Right. Only yeah. Percy Jackson. Yeah, and then that also leads us into. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't like this. So um, basically, <laughs> what we get this, I think Percy just asked him like Jason. So like, how do you feel? Like, weren't you super injured not an hour ago? Mm-hmm. Jason's like, actually, it's fine now because I'm not a Roman. No. Okay. I don't think it makes sense. I think it's a little messy, but I think it makes sense. Jason's like, I think that my stomach wound healed because Michael Varys wanted me to die like a Roman, but I'm actually bi-coastal now. So, loophole. And, 
<laughs> and honestly, I feel like his injury, like it was one of the only injuries that was like metaphysical. It was like as much an illusion as it was like yeah. real, right? Because he got stabbed by a ghost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the logic is there. I'm just still going to be a hater and say that <laughs> be a hater. story logic is not enough to tie this knot for me. That's okay. That's okay. That's all right. We'll keep reading. To each yeah. their own. And basically we have five days left before the blood of Olympus will be sacrificed. So the next stop is to go over to Delos, Island of Delos, and see Apollo and Artemis. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. We know them. My question for y'all before we close out here is how do we feel about this priest job for Jason? Does this make sense with everything that we have gone through with his arc, with him learning how to make decisions and stand up for himself and yet let go of things like what do we he's been through a lot lately we're really trying to create some kind of Mm -hmm. future for him yeah i don't know i think it it does kind of work out where do these kids who are like superstars from the jump all-star demigods where do they go when they're burned out like what kind of career are they going to take on when they're like <laughs> when they're they're cashed out like they're and they injure their knees and they yeah, can't go pro say, anymore they got hurt knees they got they got all the post-athlete injuries what would they do and i think that's kind of a cool vision of him like you you almost can see him in like octavian's role mm. it's a definitely a neat spin definitely haven't heard of a demigod going on and becoming a priest other than the creep himself, Octavian, but uh <laughs> Legacy. He's a legacy kid. Yeah. Legacies are sick. When they brought that into the book, let's talk about that even too. That was literally <laughs> so cool. Literally such a cool concept. Like they are out there. Legacies exist, so why not have them included as well? Not Sorry. from Chiron's camp, but other places. <laughs> no, I think there's legacies there and I think they just don't talk about it. Don't you think so? I'd like to think so. There have to be at least a couple people who live to adulthood. Yeah. I don't think it's zero people survived, but less probably. Yeah. They live in hiding from Chiron and everyone else mm-hmm. <laughs> to try to stay alive. For me, this section, I do think that the priest vision is very cool. Mm. It's nice to envision this as mm-hmm. a thing that should happen. And yeah, like to your point, like we, we need to have more ideas about like what these people can do after they survive, mm-hmm. but are like injured and scared and sad. That's very important. It's mission trip, Jason. Jason's trying to go on a mission trip once he's done. Oh no! Oh no! He's like trying to do good in the world or whatever. (laughs) Oh my. Um, The thing that is weird about this to me is that it feels both redundant with and slightly contradictory to the whole thing that we did with Jason in the last book with Notice and or Auster, where we had Jason being like, actually, like, I am not about the Roman life anymore. It's not totally inconsistent. It's not totally redundant. And it seems like it cannot be both inconsistent and redundant, but it feels like a little bit of both to me, specifically in like the emotionality that we're invoking about like how Jason is feeling about his future. It feels very similar to me, but also like he's reaching a slightly different conclusion from the same like emotional course you know i'm following i'm following you precisely because it feels like we landed on something in the last book where he was like i'm gonna go retire at camp half-blood and live like a fun demigod life with piper and now he's like actually i'm gonna do that but also my job my purpose my like labor that i'm going to do to make the world better is that i'm gonna actually go between the camps and serve as this like priestly figure Mm -hmm. so it's almost like we could have left off in the last book where we were but rick was like i have a better idea i have a better idea 
idea for how we want Jason to go. And then in Trials of Apollo, he was like, wait, 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 I have a better idea. I have a better idea, Jason. <laughs> Oh my no, god! Wait, wait, I have a better idea. Oh my god! No, I Jeez. feel like okay. what any fan who's like reading wants for Jason is for him to at least like, you know, what you want for any characters for them to kind of walk back into their own life. Yeah, I feel that for Jason. I want him to have control over his time. And like you see him as how everybody else saw him, right? Like his backstory is what it's been built up to at this point, which is that he was, you know, the Praetor for twelve years at Camp Jupiter, and you can't really just leave that behind. Just like with Percy, they always rise above. They're always like, I know that's what I would want for me, but I got to do the right thing first. And to him, like, that's the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry, guys. I say the cheesiest stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. Well, thank you both. Thank you, Jake, for returning. We will see you back again next week for Nico's POV, where a lot of stuff is going to go down, including some like ghostly murder, some tragic backstory. I love Greek god ghostly murder. It's honestly one of the best parts of the series <laughs> is just when the ghosts show up. It's so great. It's going to be exciting. Do you want to plug? Wait, you're not a plugger. I've got nothing to plug. Yeah, another plug. All right. No plugs. I'll plug uh, Seaweed Brain Podcast. Listen to that. Aww. <laughs> No one ever used their plug yeah. to promote CB Brain more. <laughs> Setting a new standard. No, that's what's <laughs> no, about. real though. Please do give us five star ratings wherever you're listening. Make sure you hit the yes. follow button on Spotify. Do it for Jake Sweat. Do it for me. Do it for Jake Sweat. Follow us on Instagram, CB Brain Podcast, Twitter, CB Brain Pod. We will see you guys next week. Bye, all. Bye.